welcome. This is the Ag Engineering Podcast, where we talk tools, tips, and techniques to improve the sustainability of your farm. I am your host, Andy Chamberlain from the University of Vermont Extension, and this podcast is supported by Northeast SARE, providing grants and education to advance innovation in sustainable agriculture. We're trying to improve the industry by chatting with farmers and getting their input on tools, tips, or techniques that have changed the way they farm for good. Many of these practices affect multiple areas of the farm. Whether it be environmentally, emotionally, physically, or financially, we share the knowledge to promote sustainable agriculture, lifestyle, and business. Thanks for having a listen. Now, let's get started. Today's episode comes to you from Barnet, Vermont, where we meet with Heidi Choate and Evan Perkins of Small Axe Farm. Together, they've got 20 years agricultural experience and 11 years in this business. They are growing on an acre of production, which includes about an eighth of an acre in both high tunnels and caterpillar tunnels. They sell primarily to a retail wholesale markets with 10% going to CSA or custom orders. Their sales this last year was about 115,000 gross and they utilize about two and a half FTEs. Heidi and Evan, welcome to the show. Thanks for, for having us on. Thanks. So I just set the stage a little bit about your farm, but if you could just describe what you do in one sentence, what would you say? My wife Heidi and I run a, a one-acre no-till off-grid um, market garden, which is also our homestead. Today's episode, we wanted to touch base on cat tunnels. Now, we've covered this a little bit before with um, other farms, and we wanted to get your viewpoint on them as well. So I think most people are familiar with what a cat tunnel is, um, but if we could go into a little bit more detail, uh, how do you utilize cat tunnels on your farm? Well, we utilize them probably in the ways that most people up north here do in that we um, use them to extend the season in the springtime and the fall primarily. That's where they are, their biggest payoff is. But we do also grow summer crops in them, um, sometimes like cherry tomatoes, things like that, um, that we're either worried about disease or want a little extra heat for. How long ago did you find out about them? How long have you been using them? I think we've used them for about three full years now. And so we've in that time we've had a pretty good a pretty good chance to trial them in a dump, bunch of different applications. We've been working. We've used movable greenhouses, either in our gardens or in the farm program that Heidi worked in, um, for for probably seventeen or eighteen years. So we had a lot of experience with season extension and where you need to apply that cover and that extra heat and, and what to grow in them when. So it was more about what we learned mostly was about like when it's practical or worth moving a cat tunnel and when it's not, um, and then dealing with the weather. Do you move your cat tunnels much or leave them there? We, the, the first year we, we put them up, we, um, then left them there that whole season and, and planted spring greens in the next year. And then we moved them that summer to a different location. Um, but uh, this season, they were in the same place they were last year. And we're probably just going to keep them there for next year. We may move them after that, but with our rotation, it's going to work to leave them right where they are. Are uh, you building these cat tunnels yourself or are you buying kits? We we bought a kit from Farmer's Friend, 
Um, so they had a, they had a deal where you could buy 200 foot cat tunnels that were 14 feet wide. Um, and it was free shipping and we ordered a few extra bows. So we got an additional, because our beds are actually only 90 feet long. Um, we got a few additional bows. So we've got an additional 45 foot long one as well. A uh, nice little mini. Yeah. Mini. Yep. Uh, have you made any modifications to these rather than, uh, the out of the box kit? The only thing that we've done is we had the real basic first kit they sold, which was um, round hoops and um, and just a piece of webbing that was staked out to a, you know, a, a, a beefy metal T-post on either end to hold them up. And so the webbing served as your ridgeline. And that we still have the webbing as a ridgeline, but the thing we added, we ordered from Farmer's Friend, was wind braces um, so that the end bows didn't start folding inwards. Um, because that webbing on the end that was staked to the ground would inevitably slip a little bit and they would start, the caterpillar would start collapsing inwards, um, in wind or, or snow conditions. So you're up here in the wind, in the snow, are you using them in the snow? Uh, what are you doing to really anchor them down? They're really a, a, a three season structure and, and that's just the reality of them for the North, um, unless they're in your front yard and you want to meticulously maintain them, which means a lot of snow removal. Um, so one, initially we had them just with the kind of pigtails on the end staked down. So the extra long plastic that was pulled down at the end, which um, worked well, um, but it would blow off in heavy windstorms. And we, the first year, and even one time the second year lost a whole greenhouse worth of crops um, in this, particularly in the springtime, you know, they're well along. And then we just have one of those 20, 15 degree or 20 degrees and windy nights and the, and the cover blows off and, and uh, there goes your crop. In frozen. There. Frozen. Yep. Frozen and wind damage, you know, cause it, it's, if it was cold, that's the cold to be fine. But um, so that was our, how we initially used them. And then because of that problem, we bought the wind braces and we also started attaching the plastic with the wiggle wire. Um, so that, um, and that held the plastic from slipping from side to side and blowing off in windstorms better. So you've built end walls now for them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you use for a door to get in and out? We just use a, a metal pipe and a roll up. Um, so the end wall just has a roll up on it. Um, and in the shoulder seasons, we'll sometimes screw boards in to seal it. If it's going to be like a week, we don't want to get in there and we want to seal it up, but that allows for really good ventilation in the summertime because most of the end wall can be just rolled up. You leave the end walls up most of the time once it's warmed up. Yes. Yeah. The end walls stay on all summer. And even in the winter time, that plastic is still sitting on those end walls, even though we take the plastic off the tunnel or fold the plastic up onto the top. Sure. How are you uh, holding the sides up for ventilation? Farmer's Friend has these little um, little wire hooks that they give you enough, for, I think, for every other bow. We don't even use that much, um, with the, and they they work pretty well. You just you you the the rope holds the plastic up fairly well as long as it's tight, and then you slide these hooks up to hold it in place, um, and they work fairly well. But again, in a big winter st- windstorm, you know the the plastic will can come down or in certain kinds of rain events where if it's folded in a certain way, the plastic water will build up and, and slowly knock the plastic down. So even with the hooks, a heavy rainstorm will still knock them down. 
not so much rain. I think if you have the appropriate number of hooks, which we, we usually don't because it's such a, it's a lot of work to move every single hook up, but the, it's particularly the wind. It'll just lift the plastic up enough to get over the hooks and then they'll, they'll slide down and the hooks work with pressure. So as soon as the, the plastic is lifted off them, the way that they, they kind of cam onto the, the metal post, um, as soon as that pressure pressure's relieved, they're not very, they don't hold very well. So that wind is particularly like when rain builds up on it, it's increasing pressure, but the wind releases pressure off that hook and it kind of falls down. Gotcha. And there's a formal name for that from Farmer's Friend, <laughs> what I'm calling the hook. I just forget what it is. Yeah, we'll post a picture of that uh, on, on the show notes on the website if uh, you haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> You're using these on a hill. Are you making a plateau to put them on flat or are you just working and in, installing them on grade? We're just installing them on grade um, so that, yeah, the lower, we have a, a fairly steep pitch on our hillside and all of our beds are across the hill. Our hill happens to face south, so all of our beds are oriented east-west. Um, mm. And so on the particular hill we have them now, the soil is probably dropping over a foot, probably 18 inches um, from top to bottom or maybe more than that. Um, so if you were to look at it from the side, you know, it's that, that half circle is slightly canted downhill. Have you found the slope to be challenging at all working with the cat tunnel? Well, the slope is, uh, challenging for, you know, everything we do. Um, but with the cat tunnels, um, the main challenge is trying to get a cedar or if you, a wheel hoe or anything like that, um, uh, on the top row because the, the bows are kind of bent over it. You don't have a lot of height up there. Yeah. Um, or if you're growing a crop like cherry tomatoes or something like that, that top row is just too short. Even if you're lowering, leaning in there, it's just like, it just gets too cramped. Farmer's Friend does sell um, po like leg extension kits. And next time we move them, we're going to buy that leg extension kit to put an extra foot on the downhill side. So it would kind of level them up a little bit. It'll level them up and give more height and more tool room on that top row. Um, sure. So then we could fill the thing with cherry tomatoes if we wanted. It works out actually pretty well with that top row now. To we we will often plant basil in that top row, um, just because it it actually the little bit of shade from the tall cherry tomatoes and stuff, you know, is kind of beneficial for the basil anyways. And so it, that hasn't been an issue, but might be for somebody. You have both cat tunnels and high tunnels. Um, do you love the caterpillar tunnels? Are you investing in more? Do you wish you didn't have them? I think for us in our heavy wind climate, as well as the fact that we can get big snowstorms, you know, into, you know, even into early May or in October, um, that for, we see the cat tunnels as more as a transitional tool. And like, as we get older and want to bend over less dealing with stuff, um, we would be more inclined to, to replace them with high tunnels eventually. Um, I do like their movability. We just find that if we have enough tunnels and enough place for rotation, we don't need the movability. Um, for a growing farm, I think they're a really great tool because their price point is really good. You get a lot of coverage for the amount of money you spend and they're really versatile because you can move them. Um, once you learn how to do it, you can move them in a, in a couple hours with a few people. Do you find managing them takes a lot of your labor time or not really? Cause you're not moving them. I wouldn't say 
it creates more disaster opportunity. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, you know, they, they do take more labor, labor to open and close than a high tunnel. Um, but it's more just the opportunity for disaster in a freak snowstorm or a thunderstorm with heavy straight line winds. Um, that's kind of, or, you know, spring and fall winds, which are really strong around here. That, that, those are the downsides. And every farmer who has used them has probably experienced that to some level. How many times a year do you find there's a disaster that you have to go out and fix? So far it's averaged about once a year. Um, and that we've either got crop loss or, um, may not be complete crop loss or some level of collapse. Are those, uh, extreme disaster events uh, enough to destroy the hoops or just rip the plastic off? Yeah, so here's the issue. I think um, the cat tunnel, um, as in its most basic form with the plastic pulled and tight pigtails, um, without the plastic ever attached to it, just held on by the ropes, is a really clever design because even in in wind, especially, the plastic will tend to blow off and you may lose your crops, but you're probably not going to have damage to the plastic or the hoops. Um, as soon as you attach the plastic to the, to the hoops, like we did with wiggle wire, then if you have a wind event, you're going to probably have, you're going to have plastic damage. And and we have had that happen once with our shorter tunnel, fortunately, um, which we kind of always just covered with old greenhouse plastic anyway. So it wasn't a big loss, but it could have happened on one of the bigger tunnels. And then the plastic will rip right out of the wiggle wire and in the end have enough sail strength to pull the hoops out of the the ground and potentially bend them. But you haven't, you haven't, um, experienced that really. We have, yeah. With our our smaller tunnel, we did. Yeah. Smaller cat tunnel. And then as far as snow, we had one tunnel partially collapse and actually this spring and we had a freak snowstorm in April that dropped 18 inches. That was unpredicted. And we had the cat tunnel in a place where we'd never really had to deal with, um, generally we don't have a lot of drifting snow, just the way our hillside is, but that particular spot, um, there was a long alley that snow could blow through. And so it, we had an 18 inch snowstorm, which piled up like four feet really quickly on the uphill side of it. Um, and we had just put the plastic down the week before or something like that to melt the soil off. So it was a rare big snowstorm and it was something that probably wouldn't happen again because now we know drifting occurs there. <laughs> um, and our cat tunnels did fine in other places. It was just that particular spot, but that's all part of the learning curve, you know, with them. So, um, we had to, we, we ordered some hoops and replace it and it really wasn't that a lot of work. We didn't lose plastic. We just lost some hoops and it was, you know, maybe $500 with shipping. It was mostly the shipping to get the, get them, but we got the hoops really quickly and got, and then probably harvested $2,000 worth of greens out of it that spring, you know, just in that one crop. And so, you know, it dug into our profits, but we still probably made money even with that disaster. What is quick shipping to you? Um, it was a pretty fast turnaround time. I think farmer's friend, they, they knew our situation. They only charged the really great thing about them is they, once you buy it once, if you have a disaster, they'll, they'll, they'll resell it to you at cost because they know, or they did with us anyways. And and I think they do that just because they know, they know the nature of the product. Um, and so they sold us the replacement bows at cost. The shipping was just expensive, but they packaged them up in individual bundles of like, you know, five of like six or something and shipped them through the mail. So we got them in like three days. Nice. Yeah. 
It's really good customer service. Yeah, it was great customer service. And uh, that company has always given us great customer service. Awesome. Heidi, what, what stands out to you? Um, well, there's a few things that um, they're really convenient. They're really easy to move. Um, I do find that when I go out, and maybe Evan has already mentioned this, um, but when I go out to close or even open, well, usually it's closing it at the end of the day. I've, I've actually started closing it from the inside. So every time I switch one of the little hooks, and, and that also slides to the to the ground, <laughs> they get lost a lot. But um, And I, I let go, you know, let the plastic drop. Inevitably, I get absolutely drenched every time. So <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. It yeah. just collects a lot of water because it's either rained or we've watered. And so there's a lot of water on the outside and I get wet. Yeah. No, no matter when I'm doing it, it seems. <laughs> and obviously walking from bow to bow and, and, uh, having to, I've also got a technique for that too, where I'm using my foot, you know, I'm sort of grab onto the bow and take my foot and push the plastic down to the ground. Otherwise I've got to do every single bow, um, by hand. And it's by the time you, so you're doing that from the inside, from the inside, just to close the plastic at the end of the day. Uh, so because it's an audio podcast, just explain sure. this a little bit more. Like, yeah. which, are you facing the long way of the tunnel? So yes. Side, sideways sideways to, the, to, the, to the sidewall. To the bow. So, yep. And yeah. then I'm grabbing onto the bow and taking just one foot straddling the bed. And I'm just sort of sliding that plastic down to the ground so I don't have to bend down at every single bow. And then I work my way down. To and how many bows will that kind of... Well, usually... Yeah, it just Pop depends. Yeah, it just depends. Yeah, it's so, most of the time it's every other will kind of get you there. But if it's going to be really cold and you've had it open and you want it really super tight, you sort of have to hit everyone to get it nice and closed. When yeah. you see a thunderstorm coming in, do you uh, run up there and yeah. and shut it down? Yep. Um, yep, we do. So when, when it's panic it. mode like that, how how fast can you shut down a tunnel? Um. Well, sometimes we'll open the tunnels partway and sometimes they're opened all the way. Sometimes it's one side, sometimes it's both sides. So it really depends, but you, you can do it relatively quickly. I think it's just that we, you know, we're opening closing every day. So that would be the one thing just to streamline that a little bit would be great. Not getting soaked and having it be a little bit quicker or, you know, if, if you could pull on one, one bow and you know, most of the rest of it came down too, but it just kind of, it does hold. So, which is great. <laughs> right. Right. But that's, that's the downside to it. I would say it's probably about three or four minutes per side of our 90-foot cat tunnels. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So if you have to close two, it might be seven or eight minutes, whereas a, a greenhouse, a, a, a high tunnel with just standard roll-ups is going to be a couple minutes. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I had one thing to add. Um, you had asked us earlier about, um, you know, whether they were a tool for us for the long term, and, and I'd mentioned for us that we'd probably eventually like to – if we want that space covered eventually as we get older and still want to farm here, um, that we would replace them with high tunnels. And one thing that, that we've done for many years um, with, with certain high tunnels is we roll up the plastic in the wintertime so, or in the summertime. So we don't keep them covered. We're not, we don't keep all of our tunnels covered all year round. The reason we do that is because there's only – we. It's we don't own a tractor. It's also would be almost impossible to clear the snow from the sides of our tunnels with a tractor because it, it the land is sloped and it would end in disaster. Mm -hmm. um, we we have to hand shovel our tunnels when the snow gets high, um, and so we, there's only so much tunnel area that we want to have to hand shovel every winter and in, in, in a in a big snow year. 
Um, so that's why we initially started rolling up the plastic on some of them. And, and, and so we would probably roll it up in like November or December and then, then, um, roll it down again in early March to melt out the snow and then plant in there. Um, Are you rolling them up to the kind of the hips where they normally go or all the way up? All the way up to the peak. And then you, you roll them both up to the peak and then you flop one roll over the other one and that create, that seals it so water doesn't. And, and, oh, yeah. and then yeah. we tie with bailing twine on every bow. And then we drop it down in the spring and it's ready to go. It's yeah. fantastic. The reason I mention that is because that is, you know, one of the main advantages of the cat tunnels is that you're not having um, plastic over the ground the whole year long. You can, um, with a cat tunnel, you could say start carrots early in there. Um, but the carrots don't want to be under a high tunnel and you probably don't, um, during the summertime, or uh, you know, you, those early carrots, you might be harvesting into, into July if you didn't plant them really early. And so with the cat tunnel, you can just roll the plat, you can just push the plastic up or take the plastic completely off the tunnel for the summertime. Um, but with a hoop house, we can do the same thing and we can just roll that plastic right up in the summertime. So what have you done on your, uh, on your shoulders of your high tunnels to make it so is, or is it wiggle wire so you can just undo it and keep rolling them all the way up probably eventually we're gonna we're gonna change over wiggle wire but right now we just have we just have um you know a, the standard kind of overlap boards with torque screws and we just unscrew the board and take it off and put it so it's on. a one 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 <laughs> yeah. time a year yeah. event yeah. so it's yeah and that's not that's of, of all the things we have to deal with that's yeah, not, that's small. not a big one yeah. um so I think that's just a good thing to throw in the mix for people. If you have, let's just say, you you know, it's a year when you can get a lot of greenhouse with an NRCS grant or you find some used um, older style um, uh, Quonset style greenhouses um, that really aren't good for the winter around here. They could work just like cat tunnels, um, but be a little bit more durable, um, you know, with full proper ground anchors as opposed to rebar and that kind of thing. And you're probably getting quite a significant uh, life extension on the plastic too by rolling it up, yeah. right? Yeah, probably probably quite a bit. You know, the, you know, it's still out there in the weather because we just leave it right up top. But it's it's probably getting less UV damage, less wind damage, that kind of stuff. But then you can accomplish all your same growing agendas that you have in cat tunnels or movable structures. That's a that's a interesting point to add. I haven't really heard of many people doing that rolling or taking off their plastic from their high tunnel usually that's a a feat that they put it on and regret the five years or so <laughs> doing it again <laughs> yeah rolling it up is a lot easier than taking plastic on and off you know um once you get your system down it's just you just using that roll up and you have a couple ladder a couple step ladders and you just kind of pass it from one person to the <laughs> next and it's not that big a deal i think to put the plastic up it probably takes us maybe like 45 minutes with two of us. Um, and then to put it down, it's going to be even less, probably a half an hour. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a pretty quick job. And typically in the time of year when things are, it's typically we're doing it in March and late November or December. So we may not want to be out there doing it, but we do have the time. <laughs> right, right. It's at a slower time. Yes. <laughs> and we were able to space our bows further apart um, for that. So we get a little bit more out of an older greenhouse that we used to have it year round. And then once we decided this is going to be a three season house for us, we're just going to spread these bows because they don't have to handle the weight. We got a little bit more out of it, which is great. Yeah. That's a plus two. 
Yeah, so it's a good use for that kind of um, used side of the road or Craigslist greenhouse mm-hmm. that you may not want to put double plastic on and heat in because it's not super well designed, but um, will work you know work really well as a three season greenhouse. I think the big takeaway for us is that the more structure you add to your cat tunnel to make it more like a greenhouse by attaching the plastic with wiggle wire, putting wind braces on, um, the harder it is to move. And then also, um, if you attach the plastic to it, um, when you do have a disaster, it's more likely to cause equipment damage as opposed to just, um, you know, failure of crop coverage. And so that's something that farmers have to weigh the convenience and the just all around bet. It's all around better. If you have the plastic attached and you have end walls and a door, it's just a lot easier to manage. But, um, as soon as you attach that plastic, then you, you have a greenhouse, uh, you have a hoop house essentially at that point. Um, but it, it really does not have a good anchoring system because the rebar is not a good anchoring system. Yeah, you have a hoop house without the benefit of a roll-up, and so yeah. Yeah, and I think um, one thing about the the reason we'd known about cat tunnels for years and years and years, and and had made, you know, made little movable greenhouses and stuff like that, um, but we were never really interested in them because a lot of people were making them out of 20, 20 foot pieces of um, fence rail, which only covers twelve feet. And the farmer's friend came out with the fourteen foot five foot wide one, which will fit four 30 inch beds with our path, our narrow pathway spacing. And that, that for us makes all the difference. It wouldn't be worth dealing with for three beds, but for four, it's made it worth dealing with just having it that little bit wider for us with our particular bed spacing. How wide is your little footpath? Um, about 11 inches. That's what we do for, so it's exactly like a, a spade width. We used to maintain all of our raised beds with a shovel, um, and so we just made all our paths the width of the shovel. It's about 11 inches. So it's 11 inches, 30-inch bed, 11 inches. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've always tried to keep the, our growing footprint small and, and expand in other ways. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your viewpoints on the cat tunnel and uh, what you like and don't like about them. Uh, if farmers want to follow along with your farm or reach out, how can they get a hold of you? We have a Facebook page, um, an Instagram account, and we also have a website, smallxfarm.com. And we're always happy to uh, have conversations with other farmers uh, about anything and answer questions, or then we'll start asking our own questions. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for being open and thanks for being on the show. You bet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you go ahead and subscribe, share this with a friend, or leave us a comment. And if you want more information, check out the show notes on our website at agengpodcast.com. That's A-G-E-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day. The proceeding has been a production of University of Vermont Extension. For more information on Extension, log on to www.uvm.edu slash extension.